Last week, we started a series on conflict resolution. And the thing that we said, since conflict is inevitable, then conflict resolution is critical. And so today, we're going to begin to talk about how do we resolve the conflicts in our lives? Hi, this is Eric Hurd, and my podcast is called Relationships by the Book. So why that title? Well, I lived 18 years of my life apart from God, apart from His Word. And my family was one of the most dysfunctional families to grow up in, and we didn't understand relationships. And when I came to know Christ, it absolutely transformed me from the inside out. And I began to understand God's wisdom because I dug into His Word and I saw how much He had to say about relationships. I've been a pastor now for over 45 years. and. So this podcast is really an accumulation of the wisdom God's given me in relationships that I want to share with you. Okay, Eric, good to be with you. How are you? You know, doing really well. Excited about our topic today. Okay, all right. Well, so everything's going well? You're doing good? Well, I'm challenged. I, I think every day, uh, you know, I, I, I face different challenges as a pastor, and some things are just heartbreaking. And uh, But God's uh, really wired me for it. So, uh, But the joy that I feel is being able to step into people's pain and uh, and actually try to relieve and help people in their pain. And so I love being a pastor. And I love the topic we're going to deal with because helping people resolve conflict. Oh my goodness. If you can give them that skill, there is so much more peace in their life. Wow. A lot to unpack there. So we're going to get into conflict resolution today and how critical it is Mm -hmm. when I love that you just said, if you can give that, that tool to people. And so we're going to talk about how we can Kind of take that on ourselves today and, yeah. and learn. Okay. Well, last week we kind of you know laid the foundation. What is conflict resolution all about? You know, how does God feel about it? Well, you know, remember we talked about the fact that salvation, our relationship with Jesus Christ, it starts with our willingness to admit we've been wrong, we've sinned against Almighty God. And what does God want from us? He wants peace. So He sent His Son to die on the cross and his finished work on the cross, the blood that was shed for us, provides for us peace with God. So God even starts with conflict resolution. And, uh, and, And so in the same way that he brings peace between us and him, then he calls us to be people of peace. And one of the verses we talked about last week is really a relational goal that I have. And it's out of Romans 12, 18. It says, if at all possible, because Michael, sometimes it's not, if at all possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. That's the goal. And, and so at any time in my life, I can pause and go, am I really at peace with, it could be Debbie, my wife, it could be my kids, it could be my neighbor, it could be a friend. And so I can constantly evaluate my life and see if I'm really at peace with people. How, how can we remember to do that? I feel like I get, <laughs> I get carried away and I, you know, I'm reminded right now because we're talking about it, but if you hadn't said anything, would I have stopped and said, Am I at peace with everybody? That's a great question to ask ourselves. Well, there's so many manifestations or symptoms of a person that's not at peace. 
Oftentimes, they'll talk with others about the person they're in conflict with. So if you ever find yourself gossiping or slandering somebody, here's what you know. You're not at peace. There's a flag. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, you'll think about that person and there's this in your gut. It's like a gut punch. You don't even want to be around them. Like (laughs) there's somebody, and I I know churches are wonderful places. I've worked in in churches for 48 years. And uh, sometimes there's people that will walk down, you know, the sidewalk or in the patio and you go, "Uh uh-oh. Well, then I know I'm not at peace. So, so God, you see them coming towards you, and it's if that's your gut reaction, uh oh, you probably need to self-evaluate. Yeah, and you got to go. Okay, why that. am I not feeling good about this relationship? Sometimes God just forces the issue. Now, fortunately, there are some people that are just, if you will, they're not averse to conflict, so they're they're willing to step in and say, "Hey, can we talk about something?" Because it's really bothering me. Absolutely. But, you know, so, so I think you can evaluate if you're a sincere individual, you want healthy relationships. And, you know, I used to not be that guy. Now, like at my age, man, I, my wealth is in my relationships. My joy is in my relationships. Uh, like tonight, I get to be with you and, and Crystal. I get to be with my grandkids. I couldn't think of people I'd rather be with, you know. Why? Because we have healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. You've invested in that. That part of your your uh, net worth. That's it. That's <laughs> I it. love that you so call it's, that your wealth. So really, conflict resolution, very interesting. I hadn't thought about that way. Conflict resolution is actually an investment in a relationship. It's protecting your investment. It's like insurance. See, I always tell couples, you know, when they get married, you know, if you learn conflict resolution really well, you're in an essence divorce-proofing your marriage because you don't divorce somebody that you're at peace with. See, so you're investing in the insurance of the relationship. That's it. That's, That's a it. great tool for all relationships, certainly marriage. Yeah. That's probably the where, um, I mean, where I jump to in my mind is, you know, what, how to, how to protect my marriage. And if I'm investing in a relationship, it's going to be my wife that first comes to my mind. But yeah, you mentioned kids, your close friends, your family members, people you work with. It can be any relationship at, at different levels. Right? That's it. You know, one thing before we go into like the skill of conflict resolution, Michael, I think I need to kind of um, state something that, that needs to be considered. And that is when, when the Bible says, you know, if at all possible, be at peace. Sometimes it's not possible because the person in front of you may be a sociopath. They could have borderline personality disorder. There could have been something that happened in their life in which they are a really unhealthy person. They're they're unable to put something on the table and do it in a healthy way. So I do want to say there are people with mental health issues. There are people that have had trauma in their life uh, that are suffering. And, and so it's not like you're meeting your equal. It's not a healthy individual. So I do want to just say that right off the bat. You can't be at peace with everyone, but if at all possible, try. So, okay, before we dive into it, maybe you can touch on this. What does it look like if you have someone like what you've just described, you know, a pre-existing condition, let's call it, and they're, you're, you're going to be in each other's lives. It's inevitable that you're going to spend time with each other. Maybe it's a family member, again, someone you work with, attends your church. What, what are we called to do with those difficult relationships? Well, again, what we're talking is there are people that are able to engage in healthy dialogue. 
you know, they might have a few weaknesses or whatever. But when you're talking about somebody, and and unfortunately in my in my journey as a pastor, I've run into sociopaths, and uh, there's no win. Uh, you're either an ally or an enemy. Uh, they are dangerous. Um, they have to be right. You can't object. You can't speak into them. Like um, I do marriage work and sometimes I'll deal with an abusive husband. And there are husbands that will break down. They'll admit they're willing to change. But you'll meet some who, I mean, the fact that you would confront it, uh, they just have to look at you and you go, I'm not dealing with just a healthy individual here. And so I just want to be very serious on this, is that there are people that I will stay away from. There are people I will set boundaries with because they can't engage in healthy dialogue and they can't hear truth. And and truth is what, as a pastor, I, I, I deal with. I've got to speak the truth of the Word of God. And so there's some people that can handle it, and there are many people that can't. So maybe in those those situations, those relationships, we're more often called to hold our tongue, yeah. maybe just choose kindness and, and encouraging words and keep I, it boundaries. I can be civil with them. I don't have to contend. I don't have to argue with them. I can be civil and respectful, but I'm going to keep my distance. It's just about boundaries. But that's the, a really low minority of people. Yeah. We're really talking about the average person. Okay, so last week we kind of laid the foundation. So the first thing we talked about was creating a safe environment. I have to be a safe person. So when we go into conflict resolution, if we know that the person that we're dealing with is willing to listen, that they're not they're not uh, they're not high tempered, you know, where you know they they uh, uh, exude a lot of anger or whatever. Like, you know, in James it says, "Let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger." For the anger of man never achieves God's purposes. So, so what we do is we set the ground rules. Hey, just like you know, you know the tone of voice we're talking with right now, slow, easy, calm, and collected. That's it. That's how every argument should be. I only saw when I was growing up yelling, you know, demeaning, condescending. It was, it was, it was anger. And, and so I looked at conflict and I became conflict averse because if that's what conflict is, I want nothing to do with it. Sure. But if, if I could engage with a friend or, you know, my wife at this tone, in this pace, with this safety, man, anybody's willing to talk. So you create this safe environment. And, and it, by the way, that's especially true for women. A, a woman's security is number one. You show me a woman who's secure, she flourishes. Show me a woman who, who uh, is intimidated, who is scared, who might even be abused. They are not healthy. And, and so a safe environment becomes critical. And then secondly, we set up the appointment. Once you set the appointment, you're saying to each other, hey, this this division between you and I, this argument, this conflict, man, we're too important to each other to let this go. And so we, we're willing to talk about it. So that is the foundation. And so now what we're going to get into is, is some basic skills. But I did, last week, I didn't talk about an important area. Now, I happen to be a man of faith. I, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And one of the things that I've been involved with uh, for decades has been the whole area of spiritual warfare. So when, when I will resolve a conflict with somebody, my wife, anybody, I'm going to pray, pray with them. Mm -hmm. Why do we pray? Because we're inviting Almighty God 
into the very conflict, the, 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 the division between us, you know, between the two of us. And what the enemy wants is he wants the division. So I'm going to pray against the enemy that he has no voice, that he has no ground from which to interrupt, and that God would take control and give us wisdom as we walk through the steps. And so literally conflict resolution is spiritual warfare. Very cool. That's yeah. an amazing tool. How often we don't do that is yeah. astounding probably. Well, when I we don't imagine. invite God into something, what do we expect? All we got is is human knowledge. Mm-hmm. And and also God is supernatural and and he wants us to resolve our conflicts more than we do. And so he, That's encouraging. Oh yeah. Well, you look at uh, say James chapter 1 where he says if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproach. So if I'm going to go into a conflict, I say, God, would you give us self-control? Would you give us uh, empathy for each other? God, would you give us wisdom to resolve the conflict? He's not going to go, no, no, you got to figure it out on your own. There's no way God's going to do that. And honestly, um, when I see people who go at these things spiritually, the ideas, the brainstorming is amazing how people resolve the conflict. And by the way, Um, God's word is so good when it comes to conflict and wisdom. I have never seen a conflict people have had that couldn't be resolved. Not a one. I am a firm believer that that's true. Yes. Stubbornness and arrogance, that screws it up. (laughs) But uh, let's start talking about uh, some of the skills. I love it. Okay, let's go. So, because this is going to be three weeks. So today, what we're going to talk about is the whole concept of communication 101. We're going to go back to college. And, you know, by the way, whoever's listening, it doesn't matter that you went to college. I'm just using it as communication 101. It's the basic principles of communication. Some rudimentary. Yes. So, Michael, if I was to ask you the question, how would you know that you've communicated clearly to Crystal? That, that there was something you need to communicate and you know that, that, that she, she got it. Well, I would, um, that's a great question. Uh, we've, Crystal and I have a, kind of an uh, uh, open-ended conversation that just is ongoing all the time, right? Whether, well, you know, we don't really end our conversations. We just keep living our lives and keep in touch all the time. So um, I, I probably don't walk away or hang up a phone call until I'm sure that she understands that what I'm talking about, especially with conflict. So... I think I've learned how to read my wife. Um, I don't, it's not like I ask her, do you understand? Or can you repeat that for me or anything like that? Um, it's probably more body language and tone. Okay. So I want to give you a guaranteed way she, you would know. Okay. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Perfect. It's called mirroring. So, you know, I happen to be looking at you and there's a mirror behind you. So I can look at my own face. And why do we have mirrors in front of us when we're getting ready in the, in the morning? Well, we don't want alfalfa in our teeth. We don't. We want our hair going in the right direction, you know. And and so we will look at ourselves in a mirror, and it's an accurate, you know, uh, uh, vision of who you are you're physically. So in communication, you also want a mirror. So like if my wife says, "Hey, babe, I need you to get some tomato paste at the at the grocery store." Uh, okay, I used to get paralyzed. okay until i said well describe to me what you want and she describes it and then i say so you want an eight ounce tomato paste hunts is the brand you like 
and it's just basic tomato paste. She goes, yes. And I said, okay. So she tells me what she wants. I mirror it back to her. So you said this. Then I actually double check. I go to the store. I take a picture of it and I send it to her. Is this what you were talking about? Yes. I hate going to the store and I get back and she goes, that is not what I told you to get. You guys are veterans at this. That's it. That's it. See, conflict resolution. So, so mirroring. I, I feel like I remember being at your house one time when you came back with the wrong can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have something to do with tomato paste. Thanks, Michael. I'm supposed to be an expert. I really appreciate you calling me on that. But let's move on. So, so here's what we're going to do. So we talked about creating a, uh, a um, safe environment, make an appointment, pray together. Once you pray together, now, usually the person that is having the conflict is the initiator. They're going to go first. So let me give you an illustration is Deb and I uh, used to really argue and have conflict over time. She grew up in a home where people, you got, you got to somewhere around the time. Now in my home, I grew up in a military home. 15 minutes is on time, 15 Mm -hmm. minutes early. And so like when I'm, met Debbie, I thought it was so cute when I was dating her because she was late like 30 minutes our first date. I had to talk to her dad, which was awkward. And I mean, he's a nice guy, but I mean, it was my first date. Anyway, so so she was so cute, you know, and, and for a year and a half I dated her. It, that's what it was. It, she, she's worth waiting for. Then I got married. I went, oh, no, 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 no. We, we can't be late to everything. So we, we had a lot of fights over this until I learned a conflict resolution skill. So I was the one that was frustrated about it. And so I look at conflict from a spectrum of one to 10. This for me was a, was a nine. For Debbie, it was a two. It didn't matter no to her. Deal. But we made an appointment because she knew it was important to me. So because it was important to me and I set up the appointment, I'm the one that's going to initiate. So here's where most people in conflict go horribly wrong. Too many words. I have couples that have argued for 30, 45 minutes, 60 minutes, two hours, three hours. If something's beyond 10 or 15 minutes, a friend of mine uh, said it's history. In other words, you're getting triggered. You're, you're frustrated. You're, you're resentful. And so you just start spouting things. You start doing character assassinations. You no longer are remembering what you actually were in conflict over. In fact, many couples I'll, I'll, I'll coach on, I said, have you ever had a conflict where you're, you're in the conflict and then all of a sudden you're talking about something else and you can't even remember what you were in conflict over? We, we go down rabbit trails. So, so in, the, in the program I'm talking about, in the steps, these are very important. First, you analyze you know, what the conflict is. So you got to identify. In this case, it was Debbie being late to most most things we are, we are going to. And so I'm the one that initiated, so I'm going to go first. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with her my feelings about it, but I'm going to do it in very short statements. Now, when we first did this, we wrote it down. So you have a pad of paper, a yellow pad of paper. So Debbie's got it. She's got her pen. And here might be my statements. Debbie, I am frustrated that we're consistently late and I'm the one that has to apologize. She writes that down. Notice the feeling, frustrated. Second, I'm angry because when I try to encourage you to get going, you, you, you are sarcastic and you mock me. Third, I'm exasperated. I've tried every which way to get you to get to something on time 
and you won't do it. So she writes that down. And so I, I usually go three to five statements. Now, did I raise my voice? No. Did I attack her, her person? No. No. But I am sharing feelings, and those feelings can be deep. And by the way, really healthy couples can express deep feelings without retaliation. If there's retaliation, then it's usually uh, something in their past. In other words, you're triggering something. Mm. Okay. So like Debbie, uh, when she used to confront me on some things, I would, I would really go south because um, I was constantly criticized as a kid. And so I felt that ire that I couldn't do anything right. Mm. So, so I, I, I share with her my three to five statements. Debbie's writing it down. Now, how do I know she's really heard me? Well, she's written it down, and then she says, let me make sure I heard you right. And she literally reads from her list. Now, when she's done reading her list, I go, yeah, that's it. Now it's her turn. And this is, again, where conflict resolution, a lot of the skills that are, or methods, people don't, don't use this part. And that is, it's just as important for me to hear Debbie's side because see, if I'm the one that's frustrated by her being late, I may think that I'm in the right and she's wrong. Oh, no, no. Because I remember it was her time to share. And so she shared things like, I feel dishonored because you don't seem to understand how long it takes a woman to get ready. I feel manipulated because you have changed the clocks. You have done so many crazy things to try to get me to go on time. Um, I feel angry because many times when I get in the car with you, you've got this Kung Fu grip on the wheel and you won't even talk to me. I feel embarrassed because you have teased me in, fr in front of my friends. Now, as I'm listening, yeah, I'm writing it down, but that's emotional. When your wife feels dishonored, when your wife feels frustrated, when she feels dishonored, when she, I mean, oh my gosh. I remember when she shared that, all of a sudden, lights went off in my head. I have really hurt her. Yeah, the curtains have opened. You can see something you couldn't see before. That's it. Because it's at an emotional level, which frankly, for us as men, we don't travel much in. This is why there's, a, there's actually a diagram you can get on Google. Just Google it. It's called the feeling wheel. And it's like primary feelings, secondary feelings, tertiary feelings. There's like... A, 120 feelings on this feeling wheel and I had no idea there were that many feelings well men sometimes need that wheel to be able to know what they're feeling because mm. we can easily run to anger yeah well, I'm just angry I'm pissed I'm pissed I'm pissed well you want to be able to use different words now for for so for men tagging your emotion is critical for a woman it's the shortness of the statement women tend to talk tend to talk in narrative and oftentimes this is where their husbands kind of like get that glazed overlook. So they start like in checking the, out. They check out because they 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 can't write all that she's saying. They're never going to be able to repeat back what all that they've said. Well, you know, when you did this and then and then after this and and you know you were wearing that stupid shirt I've never liked you wearing. And and then remember that phone call that came in and and you know you wouldn't you you, you wouldn't just let it go. And, and and then the dog was making all and, and the guy's going, what were we talking about? She she's too much narrative. So this is short statements with feelings. 
and it's both a challenge for the man and the feelings and for the woman in the short statements. But follow me. Once I had shared with Debbie and she mirrored back to me. Once I sh or Debbie shared with me and she mirrored back to me, whoa, it was powerful. And because we had mirrored back to each other, we knew what the other was feeling. Now you understand each other. Oh, absolutely. Like for me, I, I love landscaping. I love horticulture. And, and one of the things that you know in that, that whole realm is preparation absolutely is critical. When the ground is not properly tilled, you know, when, when, the, when the soil is, doesn't have the proper nutrients, you can have the best grass in the world. You can lay the best sod in the world and it'll look good for a few days and then it dies. What mirroring does is it lays a solid foundation. It's where empathy comes. And next week when we get into this, uh, I want to share with you that, uh, that um, the ideas that Deb and I came up with, you know, because we haven't, by the way, once we mirror with each other, we haven't solved a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, here we are years later still working on it, but you're able to work on it. Well, here's the thing. You've prepared the soil. And to me, brainstorming is just absolutely the reward. It's, it's like in, in Galatians, it says, uh, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also what? Reap. Reap. So when he says man, he's, he's saying mankind. So here's the thing. If I sow respect, if I sow empathy, if I show listening, if I sow, you know, agreement, confession, whatever it may be, if I'm healthy, oh my gosh, what do I reap? Wisdom, ideas. I mean, in the brainstorming, it goes so much easier because I'm way more interested in solving the conflict for Debbie rather than my winning the argument. Yeah, that's really cool. See, I used to be really immature. Well, I can be still, but <laughs> when I was first married, I was so immature because it was all about me getting my way. I'm sure you've never been selfish. I've never been selfish. Yeah, that's what Crystal says. Really, really angers yeah, me. People wonder how we have a successful marriage. She just lets me do whatever I want. It's this great marriage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a dream. Here comes the explosion. Exactly. <laughs> so, so you know, if I could illustrate this again through the, the thing of the tilling of the soil, is if you do the good work of mirroring, and by the way, this only takes about 10 minutes, then you've got about five minutes to brainstorm, okay, babe, what are we going to do so that this no longer is a block between you and me? Oh, that's cool. Because one, it seems to me like if you've laid that foundation and then you enter the conversation of what we're going to do about it, it's a totally different conversation than if you just jump into it. So, Well, again, if amazing. you just jump into it, uh-uh, it... That does not You're still work. trying to win. You're still trying to hide. Whatever it is, yeah. Well, and, and remember, the number one complaint from wives about their husbands. He doesn't listen. Oh, you've gone to that school too? <laughs> I have never, ever asked a woman that and not had her say, he doesn't listen to me. Yeah. I don't know why I mock that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because I didn't listen very well at all. Yeah, I was. You You're guilty as well. And by the way, in this system, you've heard the, uh, I don't know who, who, made this statement, who I'm quoting, but if I'm talking, I'm not learning. Yeah. And if, if I'm more interested in hearing Debbie out on the conflict, I'm so much more prepared to resolve the conflict. 
And so that's what we're going to talk about next week is, is getting to brainstorming. But before we do, I, I will add one caveat. Sometimes in the listening, you'll hear your spouse share something or your friend, whoever you're resolving conflict with, and you go, oh my gosh, I had no idea I was acting that bad. And so you ask forgiveness. You state, hey, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that I had upset you that way. Could you possibly forgive me? Now, you do that not expecting that from the person you're resolving the conflict with. But if, the, if God kind of prompts you, forgiveness isn't a bad thing before you go to brainstorming. So go into it with no expectations. Now, what if you're sitting on the other side of the table listening to your friend, partner, person, whoever it is, mm-hmm. and you become angry by what they're saying? What if they, they, it triggers you know, what you're hearing? You disagree with what they say. You know, that's, that's a whole other can of worms, I would imagine. Okay, and, and that may say something about you. Now, it could evoke some anger. It could evoke some, some sorrow. What, whatever your emotion, don't be afraid of saying, wow, before I mirror back to what you said, man, that That's was hard, hard to, hear. to hear. I didn't realize I was coming off that way. Like, um, have you ever heard of the phrase unconscious incompetence? Yeah, I've heard you say it, I think. Yeah, because I'm that guy. There was so many things early on in life I was so unconscious about because I had such an abusive relationship growing up and I learned so many bad habits. I normalized unhealthy behavior. And, and by the way, when you're in a marriage or a close friendship, that stuff just surfaces. And so that's why conflict resolution becomes important. And you begin to realize, man, I've been unconscious about it. And, uh, and incompetent in that I'm not doing it right. So this is, again, where conflict resolution really can be a healthy tool for you to wake up. Like, like um, um, I've had situations where I've watched couples and all of a sudden I'll stop and I'll say, I'll say to the husband, hey, could I talk to you away from this conversation? So the husband will you call me or, or we'll meet later and I'll, I'll go, you know, in the way that you talk to your wife, I don't even think you realize it. You're abusive. You you are condescending. You you shush her. You you tell her that's not true, and and you interrupt her, and and all of a sudden the guy just like either he'll get mad at me or he'll go I had no idea. So unconscious incompetence, all of us have it, and that's why. God put us in relationship because unless you're integrated in a close friendship or marriage, you can get away with murder. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you need those who are close enough that are invested enough to tell you and help you grow or enter into those spaces with you. Yeah. And as we close out this session, one of the, we, we shared this verse last week and I'm, I'm going to keep saying it. It was in Jesus' first sermon, Sermon on the Mount. And he was talking about the Beatitudes, the 10 things. And, and he says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will inherit the earth. Oh my gosh. It just gives me chills because, you know, I have been both a peacemaker in my own life, but also helped to reconcile some of the ugliest things in people's lives. And it's some of the best work you ever do because when people are at peace, they thrive. Yes. I, you know, I always gravitated towards that part of the Beatitudes. I, I identified with it. I love making peace. I, you used to, you know, always say, um, 
a man steps into chaos and makes order out of it. I, you know, I loved that stuff. Recently, though, I've come more interested in this blessed are the meek. <laughs> what does it mean to be meek? And let's just, I'm just real quick. Oh, yeah. I think it takes meek to be in conflict resolution because I've got to be willing to admit that I could be wrong. I got to humble myself and learn. And so meekness is, I don't have to prove anything. You know, it's like the definition of humility is an accurate view of yourself. It's not that you're weak. You're strong when you're able to listen to somebody. And even if they're, if you feel they're wrong, because you know, when you, when you get criticism, you want to weigh it. Now a person may have an inaccurate view, but, but I can still say to them, man, it took courage for you to say that. Thank you. Yeah. See, and it took me so long to, uh, when I read blessed are the meek in my mind, I just read blessed are the weak. Yeah. You know, I, I just took me so long to look at that word differently. And now the peacemaker beatitude and that they really harmonize. Yes. It's a great, it's, I've really become recently able to acknowledge the strength it requires to be meek. Amen. So there's a, I mean, in this whole issue of conflict resolution, there are strengths that you need to bring to the table that are really deep and internal, right? That's it. That's cool. That's super cool. Well, man, thanks for entertaining this topic. I'm looking forward to next week because then we get to that fruit, that, you know, that thing of sowing, but reaping. And uh, because I love to see people resolve conflict and, and then there's just this weight lifted and they can move forward. Cool. I'm excited as well. Thanks, Eric. Absolutely.